We are all connected. Join me as I talk to like-minded people about topics that are appropriate to the current times we are living in. My name is Lerato Shabalala and this is Relevant. Hey everybody, how are you? Welcome to another episode of Relevant with me, Lerato Shabalala. Um, Today's guest, if I were to start uh, telling you all her accolades, um, I think we would do the podcast next week. So she is the first lady of rugby. Um, she is one of the most phenomenal um, women on radio and in television um, and broadcasting, actually. I think it's fair to say in broadcasting. She's a powerhouse. First of all, hello, Mutidisi. Hello. Hello, Lerata. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. You're like um, probably our biggest guest so far. So it's really exciting to be talking to you. Thank you. Mutirisi, you are the first woman in the history of the SA Sports Awards. In its 14-year history in 2018, you became the first woman to be um, given the Journalist of the Year Award. The first woman in 14 years. And I looked at that and I thought, it's wonderful to be the first because, you know, you are the pathfinder. What has been the first been like? You're one of the first, one of the onlys in, in rugby. What, what has it been like? You are the standard. <laughs> essentially. You know, you set the pace. You, you move the boulders and the rocks and the trees and the things that other people are throwing into your path. Oh. You do that and you do that mostly by yourself. So even, even on that particular day of the SA Sports Awards, you know, after I posted my pictures on social media, I made it clear that I, I, I believe I'm the first of many because I don't want to be the only one. There's no, there's, there's no legacy in, in it just being me. Mm. And what, what would it do for, what would it do for me? What, it, what would it do for women in sport? If I was the only one, if 10 years from now, we're still saying, we're still saying, this is the only woman to have won a SA sport award journalist of the year. Then I haven't done my part or I haven't done enough, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yes. So yeah, be the first. Yay. But I want to be the first of many. Yes. I want much, much more. Uh, ladies that are coming through and and I think because you're so intentional about it it will it will be right so um I want to start off also by saying my um my lockdown inmate is a lot like you uh studied accounting and and rugby (laughs) and when I told him he was like I wonder if she knows that I also studied accounting so what happened between UJ um, FM and YFM that made, because something seminal happened there, because you finished your degree, didn't you? You got it. Mm. So you finished Mm. it. You could have easily gone and punched numbers, but something about being on radio during those formative years transformed something in you. What happened? So the medium, I always loved radio. I always loved television, of course. And, and I mean, you know, I've been thinking about just all the shows that we used to have, the live amps, uh, the studio mixes, you know, Jam Alley. You'd run home, run home to watch that quality, you know. So, so, so radio in terms of YFM was also a thread in my life. We used to listen to Y in the morning. Sometimes we'd listen to High Files in the car at 5FM. So, so, so my dad would just touch the dial and it's like, okay, we're going with this today, you know? <laughs> um, but what happened is I joined UJFM because I just felt I had a lot of time on my hands. As, a, as an accounting student, if I have class twice a day, it's a lot. Right. You know, and that's then it's it's the rest of the day doing what exactly so i wanted to do something uh, productive and then i thought hey why not join campus radio and at the time it was a rock radio station so my audition to be a presenter didn't pan out very well uh, but then they <laughs> let me read a, a news reader script a, a news bulletin and they're like oh okay she's got a dope voice let's try it out and she does and then i to to YFM in April 2008 Mm -hmm. and I mean my first bulletin I thought was 
okay. <laughs> everybody, everybody called and they were like, what? You're not a fan. You're not amazing. Friend. I'm like, y'all so biased. Okay, whatever. Um, but there was just magic in that newsroom. Mm. There was a magic about the YFM newsroom that even today, my colleagues are still my family. There's just a thread that, that made me want to be my very best. Because mm. everywhere I looked were 19, 20, 21 year olds who were pushing against that ceiling. No. You know, we were so young. And the things we were doing, covering elections, I mean, right? <laughs> and we were And at the time, like, fully fledged professionals, you know, under the tutelage of our editor, Zukile Majova. And, and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I'd go on campus and go to class. I remember falling asleep in one of the classes and my lecturer was like, don't you think you need to go to res now? <laughs> but this is, a, this is like seven at night. Maybe you chase the about three. I'm exhausted, you know? And I used to read news in the morning at the time. I went back to res. I was like, girl. You, you, you just know we, we're completing this because plan B's are a thing. Yeah. Otherwise it, I, I would have just, you know, completely even left school just to do radio. That's how much I loved it. There was just some, there was a magic about doing the news, mm. putting together a bulletin that you care about, you know, looking at the story and say, why is this important to Lerato? Why must Lerato know this? Yeah. 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 Questioning so many things. I loved it. I, I loved every minute of my time there. So yeah. do you then go back home to your parents, who I know in 2018 were very proud. You took them to the, I mean, luckily um, your, your father was around and he got the chance to actually see you win. But yeah. you obviously had to go back and say, hey, but Zwadi, so about that thing. Yeah. <laughs> How did that go? Yeah. So initially they were like, oh, do your thing. Because they always knew, look, I was, I was a brilliant student, primary school and high school. So they knew that, nah, this one has time management on pad. So we don't have to stress about it. And then in the second year, I failed four modules, second semester modules. Listen. Now I have to go home and explain myself. And I remember telling them, hey, yeah, so this happened. And my dad was like, so what's the plan? why are you struggling to juggle your job and school? Like, what's the underlying issue here? Is it that the one has become more important than the other? Have you lost focus as to why you want to study in the first place? He gave me a lot to think about, but not once did he say quit. Yeah. He said, okay, get your house in order. Get your house in order. Because you wanted both. So you have to give your 100% to both of them. You have to find a way to balance them perfectly. And we're here, we'll support you. Sure. My mom was also like, okay, okay, sharp, it's a new thing. We're all shocked. But, and then, what's, what, what's the plan? You need a plan. So what's the plan? I had also lost my scholarship. So I had to tell them like, okay, I, I'll be paying for school now on my own. And they're like, cool, girl. <laughs> no, you're not coming to tell me to pay for school at this juncture. Mm-mm. I was like, no, I got it covered. I got it covered. I'm going to go back to school. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. And that really was the promise I had to make to them and to myself. Right. Hey, I want this, but I also want this. So now I have to find a way to make it work. And I did. And you did. And you did. And, and we're grateful that you did because we, we wouldn't have you um, waking up in the morning um, and doing sports rise. I mean, you, your parents were right about you and uh, time because you wake up, you're on air, you're pressing start at 6 a.m. So what's your um, routine like? I, I know obviously you would be in a studio normally, but what's your routine like now that, now that you're, you're, you're home? So the lockdown has changed a lot of things. We've even had to drop our programming at Vision View Sports Radio. So we only have two shows, a morning show between 7 and 10 and an afternoon show between 2 and 5. Mm. But before then, what would happen is I'd be up at Harper's 3. Bless you. Yeah. Harper's 3. 20 to 4. Then Half it's one. like, okay, 
you're cutting it too fine now. So pop, get up, bubble. <laughs> <laughs> Throw myself into the shower, get dressed, get ready. Um, and then rush to the office, uh, be in studio at five. So my morning, morning coffee at five, wipe down the studio and then sit and think about, okay, running order, what's new, what's breaking, what happened last night that we haven't picked on uh, or picked up on? Um, do we need audio for that? Are there interviews that we can use? Beg your pardon. So that first hour is really a conversation around, okay, what's new? What's not in the running order right now? Right. And uh, uh, getting the right rapport uh, with my co-host, Lerato Pajo. So that's the conversation between five and six. And then at six, we go. Six is go time. So after that, not many discussions, maybe during the music, you know, if we know that we're interviewing you, for example, but like, right. okay, what are we trying to get out of this interview, Lerato? Are we trying to uh, uh, praise her for her accolades? Do we want to get the backstory? You know, want to pick it up from when she was still a child getting into sports? What, what's the crux? So we work off of that and, and, and plan around that. But it's early mornings, very tiring. And, and you literally, you have to be consuming sports all the time. And it's not that you have to know everything, which I love. <laughs> personally. Um, but it has to be a part of your being. Otherwise, you're going to miss a lot. I, you know, if it's a sport you don't care about, don't even bother. I... I... I think part of the reason why you have to know it, besides the fact that, you know, you have reported on hockey, not, it's not just rugby, netball, um, but rugby in particular is a man's world. It is a, it, it's, a it's an Afrikaans man's world first, then uh, Kosa from the Eastern Cape man's world, and then the woman, and then everybody else comes after that. So, um you, uh, I, I'm sure on some level, even though you enjoy it and you immerse yourself, um, you also were kind of are daily aware of whatever you don't know. It's, oh, she's back, she's a woman, she doesn't know. Um, mm. How have you navigated things like that? Because yes, you, you are on radio, but you also have super sports. So, I mean, you are working double time, like double time. So... And then um, on top of that, there's the pressure of living and working and being in this very male-dominated world. And I emphasize our womanhood because, you know, we're going through a lot at the moment as women. So how do you navigate those, like, moments of, I've got to learn everything because this is how I'm looked at? Yeah. In the beginning, it was hard. I think the, the, I think the environment overwhelmed me particularly when we weren't in studio. So when I started doing um, games at venue, which was 2013 for Varsity Cup, yeah. you know, and it's like, no matter how much I prepare, there's always this small voice in my mind that's like, but do you know, do you know, do you know, do you know this, do, do you know that? Do you know everything there is to know? And what I realized is that what I don't, what I don't know, I can always ask. Yeah. Yeah. I can always say, I actually don't know this Lerato, fill me in on it. You're the expert. And I had to realize that my role is to be, you know, the go-between between the fans and the panel, between the fans and the experts. And there is a certain level of knowledge I had to have to bring out the best in my panel, but not everything. Because there are many times when I'm like, oh, I don't get that. Can you explain it to me again? Yeah. Because I am sure there's someone at home that's like, what did she say? What did he say? That, you know, that's when my confidence started to grow. There was another conversation I had with Carol Shabalala where she was like, you are not one of the boys. You are Mutirisi. Yes. Being Mutirisi is your, your X factor. Yep. That's what makes it different. Now you have to harness that. You have to hone that. What does that mean? What are you, Mutsidisi, bringing to this table, this yeah. table at the present moment that is rugby? Yeah. And when I started to look inward, you know, and refine my own craft, refine my own way of asking questions that doesn't make me feel like I have to show you I know stuff. Yeah. You know, I feel like, how's the game for you? And you know that I know, and you respond the way we do in our rugby language. Yeah. That's what I had to learn. The other thing that I did is I, I did a, a coaching level one course and I, and, I, and I did it, I told myself, to understand what's going on in the mind of the coach. But after the fact, I realized that I also did it because I wanted to prove to myself that I know what I know. Mm. 
you know. And I remember even, um, I think it was the late Kaunda that actually brought it up and he was like, no other presenter has done that. Why did you have to do that? I'm like, because there's no other presenter. Ish. You know, there's no added pressure. It, it is assumed that you know what you're talking about. The assumption is just there from out the gate. Right. You know, but I also made it my business to know what I'm talking about. I had to do the research. I had to get, get into the, the histories of franchises, of the national team, etc. I had to make it my business to inform you. Because when you watch, you, 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 you watch for the panels, insights and everything. But in order for me to get there, I have to know things. Exactly. I have to take them there, you know. And that's when they start to bring out even the things that I don't see. Yeah. So it has been a journey, but it had to also be a journey of stripping myself of my own doubt mm. and stripping myself of my own um, imposter syndrome. I had to strip myself of that. I had to move it away. And the only way I could do that is to build my confidence in my knowledge. I know what I know. Whatever I don't know, I will ask. Exactly. And I, and I stopped being afraid of asking what seemed like a stupid question or a foolish question. I ask it anyway, because if I'm thinking of it, there must be at least one that's thinking of it. So it's just getting past the doubts, getting past the um, imposters, and getting past the question of, do I deserve to be here? I asked myself that a lot in the earlier years. Yeah, but for years, five, six, seven years into my career, I was still, I was still like, are you supposed to be here? Is this what we should be doing? Is this, is this live? Is this it? You know? I, I think that is fascinating. Let me tell you why. Because you entered the Lady Rugger uh, competition. You didn't win. No, okay? ma'am. You, you were third place. But just to go back to what you were saying, but people often say, what is yours won't miss you, right? So you enter this competition, you don't win. You feel bummed as I'm sure you probably did on some level. But because this was the path, because even when you took accounting, you were led back, you're a broadcaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you were third and you were, it was like, you, you then become the first lady of rugby. Now, a lot of people would think it seems to be that it's your destiny. And yet, a couple of years in, you're still asking yourself, do I deserve to be here when everything shows you that this is your destiny? So what were some of the things, the experiences that you were going through in this not uh, uh, female friendly environment that was making you feel that way? Obviously you've owned it. There was also some stuff that you have, your own doubt, your own imposter syndrome, but that is made worse by some of the interactions what are some of the things that were happening yeah. at that time the external factors yes and <sighs> <laughs> you're like how much longer do you have <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, oh, you know when I, when I think about it so i don't know there's moments where i think about it and i'm like gee i don't even i don't even remember that the way I had suppressed oh. all of the things and the things that people said and the things that people did because of the way they thought, you know, um, seems silly now, but like an event manager greeting our whole table of commentators and skipping right past me to the next person I and a colleague having to stand up and say, excuse me, this is your, your presenter for the day. This was in the early years, you know, and it has to be water over duck's back. And, and I think because of my high school experience, I, I, it kind of hardened me to the point where I'm anticipating that kind, of, that kind of welcoming, you know. It would be what people would say, what people would say behind my back. I remember I even got, um, a guest, or a guest rather, that was like, you know, I thought, you don't know what you're doing. I honestly just thought you don't know what you're doing. They just put you there because they can. But I'm so impressed because, wow, you've really blown my mind. And I'm sure this guest thought this is very complimentary. complimentary. But when I, when I thought, I was like, wow. You yep. know, you, 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 it, you looked at me and 
immediately your first assumption was no ways exactly wow. pretty girl she's a pretty face they needed another pretty face and a black face yeah. it's like the 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 compliment of you speak so well yeah 2019 world cup i get it i get it <laughs> you know i turned my tv on and i was like what does this lady know about rugby but oh my gosh i was so pleasantly surprised and humana humana and i'm like this person is sure they are paying me a compliment I mean, they don't realize their own indoctrination and how and how the way society is built and made has made them think like that this person didn't wait for me to open my mouth no. they saw me and assumed i don't know what i'm doing you see so it was those things and it was a lot of those things and many of which i realized i no longer remember just because i filed it away in a faraway cabinet in my mind and my heart i've suppressed it because i don't want to have to remember that and i don't want that to be my driving force yeah. in doing the work that i do i don't want to get up and be like get show them exactly oh that's and the worst thing you can do yeah it's not going to make me a great broadcaster at all you know but there've been many and many unspoken moments you know being spoken over um being lost to no many frustrations but i've ha- i've had to i've had to put it away somewhere um and many times i don't raise the issue not with my no with nobody most most of the people i work with would be surprised to hear some of these things because they're like when because i don't talk about it I don't put it in the foreground of my mind because I want my driving force to be to not be this negative stuff. No. And the yeah. the problem with the negative stuff is that it doesn't sustain you. It, you can show them with la bonza up until a point but yeah. without the passion and the passion is the thing that um drives you and I think for a lot of uh w- women particularly us as black women we don't share a lot of the things that happen to us just cuz one it's sometimes it's embarrassing other times you're just like actually you're the idiot and i'm actually must just let it slide so now we fast forward you know i have uh, intel around this rugby world now yeah? <laughs> <laughs> there was a briefing earlier this year in like feb um where j- journalists were hand uh, picked and i use the word journalists because one of the things we need to see there's important is journalists ask questions they ask the questions on behalf of the people who are watching and yeah. for um the benefit of telling a good story so yeah some one some of you were were, were people were terrified for that briefing before covid struck us oh man and you have first interview i do and you were the only woman in the room and i wanted to know so you know you have these first experiences that you've just recounted and then you win the award and but now it's 2020 and you are the only woman in the room did you kind of go oh not this again or you what kind of <laughs> because that is a destabilizing not destabilizing a jarring thing it's like when you're the only black person in a room full of white people you notice it that's why black people will find each other like oh there's another one let me go there you know so what is in 2020 you were still the only woman let alone black white whatever who was picked what was that like <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm laughing <laughs> i'm laughing because I I suspect I know your sources and I know he remembers the source remembers the state particularly because it's like uh yeah there's there's beers at the back uh so help yourselves <laughs> and I remember saying I hope they side <laughs> and their whole room laughed <laughs> cuz it's like oh I, oh gonje oh gonje exactly yeah it's like it's like sizolwa antsinini you know which which is why i which was why i was saying like i just press it because i no longer know what to do with that anymore right i don't know i no longer know where to take it that it may be altered or yeah edited yeah you know um 
Yeah, it's hard. It's, 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 it's hard. It's hard. There's no other way to describe it. Yeah. It is the stock. You pick it up immediately, you know, and, and it's, it's odd because I feel like everyone else in the room doesn't. No. And it's odds. Hey, Mods, better. Number one, let's go, you know. Exactly. But for me, I'm like, it can't be like this. Yeah. Because you said be like it on the day. You, I think you also said it on the day. You know, my soul has told me that you were like, no, yeah. Because it's like, hmm? I get it. We're like a little cluster, but we've, 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 we've got to do more. And you see, even my protest is just quiet because I'm like, sure, guys, still. Yeah, you're weary. You're weary. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think. But it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be the thing that we still need to do yes. often and for a while, yeah. for a while, unless there's real will to change things, this is how it's going to be. And now I feel like um, you, you start as a woman to find ways around it. Like you're constantly working around it because the energy to go through it no longer works. It no longer serves you. It's all still, it's coming right coming back, back at you. Yeah. You have to fight. You have to like double up, blah. blah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Go this way. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe this way is gonna work. Maybe I'll come out on the other side. But you come out on the other side, and it's, there it is again, and there exactly. it is again. Maybe it's because we don't go through it. But it's it's it's, it's tiring. And it's, it's tiring. I, think, I don't know what to do with that anymore. I, I think it's important for people to know it's tiring. I think because you're not one of the boys and because you are feminine, you are a woman, you're not trying to be tough. Um, You dress like a woman. You, you're, you're, you've decided to not come in as a strong, you know, you're like, Mm. well, I'm feminine. This is who I am. It's important for people to know it's hard. Um, And that it takes a level of tenacity. But what I do know is that representation is important. Some girl is seeing you the way you saw Carol Shabalala and you know what I mean? And, and many other women, when somebody sees themselves in a particular environment, even if it's one person in TDC, that one girl will never forget you. And I know mentorship is important to you when you mentor girls. So I wanted to touch on a gentleman that you spoke about earlier, your father. Um, yeah. You tell an amazing story to Dr. Tlaleng where um, when you got your period, the letter story. (laughs) And you you speak about how your father, um, when you got your period, you know, he was a person who was in the kitchen when you were trying to make the tea. And he, you know, um, realized what was happening. And he called you into the room and said, look, this is what's happening. Jump into the bath. I'll go with you to the shops um, to go uh, get the stuff. And he went with you. Now that's mm-hmm. a man who, like that story, like I'm just, like every time, like I, and you told it laughing, but I was just like, wow. And it was, it's a funny story, by the way, go on, uh, yeah. on Instagram um, with CDCM and um, just look for um, that conversation with Dr. Kelly on IG live. And that's a wonderful story, but your dad also died a couple of weeks before the most seminal moment of your career. Mm. And a lot of people are losing people right now with COVID-19, right? And you, this moment came, this came to you and you still, after a couple of weeks, you did go back and you did uh, present the Rugby World Cup. And what's was very interesting for me was the year before, you know, you had taken a photo saying who's going to win the, the Web Ellis Cup, you know, who's going to be in grapes. So this, we all knew it was an important moment. And then yeah. your father passed away. How did you gather yourself? What did you do? Because you were raised by a wonderful man. How did you bring him with you? How did you reconcile? And how did you offer yourself to be? Mm. Yeah, that was hard. That was hard. Um, Papa died two days before the opening match. You know, I remember the Monday. I'd seen him the Sunday before. He He was ill. 
Um, and it's weird in retrospect, all the signs were telling me that it's time, you know, he had told me even a month prior on his birthday that it's, it's time, but not like it's time. It's just the things that he was saying and, and my spirit didn't grasp that, you know, also it's denial. I think, you know what I mean? Like, even with me, mm. my dad passed away, you kind of see it, but you're just like, if I acknowledge it, then it's happening. So I, then I, it's happening. It's happening. I think, I think deep down inside I knew, but there's that childlike hope you always hold on to, no matter how old you are, your parent yeah. is a parent. You just, you just cling on to it, you know? Yeah. So I saw him on Sunday and I was, I was, yeah, he was very ill. My Ramwani had come to visit Limangwane um, to see him. And even my Mangwani was saying to me, girl, um, that is very ill. You know, how are you guys preparing? And I'm like, no, 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 nah, I'm going to work. I've got rehearsal today, tomorrow, Monday and Tuesday, but not really, you know. And we, we were all rallying and gathered around him as we had been for years um, during his ailment. And um, my father was a cancer patient. He had prostate cancer. Uh. And when, by the time we picked it up years prior, it was already an advanced stage. So there was nothing that um, they could do to reverse the signs, you know. His doctor always remarked that, you know, she thought it would happen a lot sooner. So always praised him for his resilience. Anyway, so the 18th of September, um, in the wee hours, is when he departed from this world. Two days later, I was supposed to be anchoring the opening of the World Cup. And it was devastating. It was devastating. He's the guy. Yeah. He's the guy that introduced us to football. You know, it's the guy that was like, you can do anything. You are strong. He taught us to be strong. He taught us to ride bikes, scrape our knees, come back, get back on top, repeat the habe. He's the guy that told me how to drive, screaming in my ear, like, don't be afraid of drugs. Come on. <laughs> Overtake this guy so slow. You know, he's the guy, man. And it was, it was a big, big loss, a big, big loss. But I knew, I knew the way my dad moves, he would not, he, he, he would want us to be in mourning. He would want us to, to come together as a family. What he wouldn't want us to do is mope for too long. I knew that for sure. You know, and my, my mom, when she recalls that week, always speaks of like, she was like, you were just moving, planning, moving and planning. Myself and my older sister, just in movement the whole time. She's like, I don't think you took a moment to, to, to say this is what's happening and this is how I feel about it. You know, I just kept in motion. I remember even the Friday, I grabbed my phone in the morning and quickly went onto my DSTV Now app just to see, you know, like, oh, Neil's in studio. Okay, everything's going to be fine. Okay, the panel is there. Oh, great build up. Now, I think I had 10 minutes, I saw 10 minutes just to be like, yeah, this is amazing, you know. So I had to, we ask, oh, come on. The moment calls for it. I can't explain it. I can't explain it because as much as you're devastated, you want this person to have a perfect send-off. Yeah. I, want, I wanted my dad to be sent off the way he had envisioned, the way he had inadvertently told us, you know, and I wanted my mom to worry about nothing. I wanted her to sit, to be with the mourners that came in to Hutlisamatiri. To, so that's what I wanted her to be focused on. I did not want her to worry about the nitty-gritty. So, so it was my siblings and I that put it together. That's what we did. We just put it together. It was only after people started to leave. Yeah. That's when you start to fill the void. That's when you know, Guti, you know, and that's when it hit me. And then I, I got, a, I got, a, I got a, a call from a colleague of mine. And he was like, you know, you always spoke so beautifully about your parents. Mm. You always spoke so beautifully about your dad. And you'd all, you, it, the way you speak about him, I am sure that he would want you back in studio. Mm. That he'd want you back on your feet. He'd want you to continue doing what you love. He would not want you to let this moment, which is supposed to be your moment, pass you by, you know. And I meditated on that. And I was like, yeah, because dad was that guy as well, you know. You'll catch a glimpse of him in mourning. 
And the next day it's like, okay, we saw, we, we, we've got to get up. We've got to move on. You know, he was a strong guy. He was tenacious. He'd been through things that he couldn't even utter with his own mouth, but he was always so strong, always so resilient. That's what he taught us. Um, boisterous, great energy, <laughs> lectured us like nobody's business. You don't want to get in trouble with him because you know, you're going to sit through hours of but and I mean, what is going on here? But he always made us come together. He always made us laugh and it's really difficult. But I know that he would not want me to sit in that without moving forward. It's like carry your grief with you, but don't stay where you are. Still yeah. move forward. Still live your life. Still remember what I've taught you. So that's what I try to do. That's what I try to do. And my mom has been incredible. Yeah. Gail was back at same week I was back at work. She was like, you know, but I know he he's sitting here like, okay. You know, yeah, you, you find the strength that comes to you. It has to. Yeah, I think it has. we have no choice. I mean, I completely understand the day uh, my dad died, my siblings and I uh, got home and my mom said, I don't have the strength to um, call your father's friend, so you're gonna have to do that because I'm the eldest of three. And I was editing True Love at the time. <laughs> um, I went to back home, I went to my house, I proofed the pages um, that I needed to do because the magazine was going to bed. I then woke up in the morning, I um, called everyone, everybody, the people who'd seen me like pre-teenage, teenagehood, 20s, 30s, and called them and told them, then drove to True Love and gave them the, the, the job bags for them to process everything. And then I went to wow. bought a casket. So I know. I know exactly yeah. what you do. Sure. It's, it's, that's why when you're talking about your father, I related in such a strong way. My dad was the first person to take me on a date when I turned 11. He um, took me to Mexico uh -huh. time. And <laughs> so, you know, so beautiful. Oh, dad, man. Dad's great. And it's like, now you have an angel, you know, you um, call mm -hmm. my name and I think you knew he was with you. And I think he's so incredibly proud of you. What you are doing is you are a pathfinder. <clears throat> and there's a black woman for me to watch you, you know, so you cut your hair after you turned uh, 30. And I also cut my hair and grew it after, after, after I turned 40 uh, this year. So, you know, people often wonder, is it like an act of defiance? But I think it's like a moment that you, you know, this year has been so weird for many reasons. So do you, do you, do you find that people respond to you differently now that you look the, the way you do? I mean, do you find no. that? <laughs> really? What was weird is how everyone was like, oh my, you look amazing. You look amazing. You do. <laughs> <laughs> These checks to be nice to be like. Walking into our, I mean, I cut it um, January 2019, and I only cut it because I've been saying I need to cut this hair. Uh, I had not relaxed my hair since 2003, and it had started to get very straight because I was using like, um, you know, those keratin treatments for like when I need straight hair for events and all of that. So I'd lost my my crunch, you know, and it yes. like, yeah, I missed that. Yeah, and I never, I never that It's like, yo, it's like you, <laughs> you come to yourself, isn't it? It's yeah. like meeting yourself. No, I never understood how how other women would, you know, describe that moment. But for me, it was like, it was like a weight of my shoulders. And then, and then, as the months progressed, I was like, maybe there was a inner reason. Maybe there was a reason in my spirit. It will come to me when it has to, but. I feel so light, you know, yes. I feel so good. Yes. I absolutely loved it. And then watching it grow. Like, 
I know. I remember when we first saw you last year with the hair. I was like, yo. I mean, obviously, because rugby is a thing at the house. I was like, yo, like, Mott went for it. You know, like, you really did. And it was a huge juxtaposition. And just, I was like, I said at home, I said, uh, pretty girls do this brush. I think it was the only thing I had. You, when you have a pretty face, you can just go. I don't even care. I was like, I don't care what my head looks like. I just don't want to have any hair anymore. But like, I want to stand under the shower and have the water just cascade down my body. Girl. I, I just miss that sensation. But I remember distinctly that meeting. I mean, I walked in and everyone was like, oh, no, you look amazing. You look amazing. You look amazing. <laughs> it was the Thanks, It was Thank the yeah, you. Mm. And, and the thing I feared, and the and the thing I usually think about, like when I want to change a look, is like, oh man, I don't want to tell the bosses, you know. And I remember even my CEO was like, dude, quality, yeah, amazing, no. you, that. And your, I think you're ahead in a in a lot of uh, in in a huge sense. So before we wrap up, I know you not only do radio and TV, but you also do MCing gigs. Um, and I'm like many other people, myself included, who've been, you know, you've probably been affected by COVID-19. Also, I mean, rugby probably only is going to start in September, we hope. Uh, but your, I'm sure not only your income, but your state of mind um, has probably been affected by this time. So we know people look at you, they admire you, you are a mentor, you are a first and the only. And what are you doing? Like how has this time affected you and what are you doing to keep, to, to steady your mind through this thing? Because it's hard for all of us. You know, I keep saying that at the beginning we are all maguinaring and banana kicking. <laughs> and <banana looking. laughs> and uh, our lockdown wait is here to stay. So what have you done to steady yourself and what kind of advice do you have for how to stay um, present? Yeah. You know, the beginning was not easy for me. I really struggled. I really, really did. Because you move from working every single day, literally every day, immersed in some sort of work, some sort of deadline, someone's looking for you, to nothing's happening. From 5 a.m. to... Paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. Girl, I was waking up with the sun. I'm like, (laughs) who it is? I stand at 6.30, but hey, I got nowhere to go. (laughs) (laughs) What to do today? You know? Exactly. I reread some of my books. I bought new books. I even bought a coloring book sure. just to distract myself. Um, so yeah, it was a struggle there initially, but it's because I'm a person that does not, it's like life has to force me to slow down Yeah. and to take it all in and to reflect. And I think I needed that time to just pull myself towards myself. So much had happened that I had not taken stock. You know, and it was starting to affect me and I wasn't seeing those effects. So I needed that time. And then I remember I was alone for a while, like six weeks. And then in May, uh, when Minister Zuma said seven day grace to travel, I went home. Mm. I was around the, it's in the Val. So I went home to the Val and, and I realized like I needed that quiet time so I could also enjoy being home with my mom and my, and my sisters and my niece. You know, I loved being in her presence. Mm. And, and, and I loved how they were work because my mom is a nurse. She's a she's a healthcare worker, so that's where the paranoia I think was born in the initial stages oh. and continued. Because I'm always like, "Are you okay? Are you doing this? Do you have PPE? Do you have masks? You know, always checking up on her. And then I saw like the system they have at home. Like my niece wasn't playing. She'd walk in. My niece would be like, "Ah, I'll make you some tea right now. Can you please proceed to the bathroom? Take off all your clothes. Put them in the bucket with um, the soap. And then please get into your pajamas. Wash your face. Wash your hands. And then you can join us. Like, wow. You know? And I, I enjoyed every minute of it. And then work started to pick up a little bit again. So I came back. Um, to Randberg so that I could be closer to, to, to work, both radio and television. 
and I started to script, started to get into the groove that was halted again, um, regulations, restrictions, all of that. So it's really been a time of adapting and adapting quickly. So like I've had to pivot, you know, <laughs> I have to be like, I okay. passing this way. Yeah. I got this way. Oh, okay. We we here we gotta okay okay quiet time go go into yourself okay now now we've got to be with that i started exercising again um i joined a zoom class with a fabulous woman um and a, and a group of women where we're all trying to train and stay and stay healthy you know that helped me a lot as well but i think it's being it all you know getting back into what i love which is live television and radio and since I've been able to do that, even if it's once a week, nah. my program manager will tell you, even if it's just one show a week, I'm there. Yeah. I'm, and I'm delighted. And you can hear it in my voice because I'm like, yay, we get to do a show, guys. You know, so in the beginning, it was very difficult. But what I've been telling people is you've got to just, got to just find the thing that stimulates your mind and do that even if it's just for an hour a day, you know. And find some way to to move. Mm-hmm. You can dance with the kids, you know, take a walk in your estate. You gotta just get your body moving as well, get the blood pumping a little bit. But do what you love and what engages your mind. Paint, read, watch documentaries, um, you know, follow people that you love, that you admire, uh, whose work you enjoy. Just stretch yourself a little bit go a little bit further beyond your comfort zone and there you'll start to find maybe new loves new new things that you that will stimulate you yeah i've googled everything under the sun (laughs) (laughs) i'm like never thought of that never had time to think about that you know even something like that where where just you know if you have a wow moment every day you're doing well yeah. If you have a moment where you're learning something new every day, you're doing well. If if you notice that, oh wow, that walk took it out of me, that's a good day. Mm. So so whatever stimulates your mind, whatever makes you happy, whatever that looks like, you know, which is why when people are like, yeah, everyone's hiking, oh, everyone's just, ah, guys, people let people be. be. We are living in a pandemic. You know, this is unprecedented times. This has never happened ever. So whatever people need to do to cope, as long as it's not destructive to the next person, let them have their moment. Let them have their fun, you know, and let's be kinder to one another. There's no need. There's no, this is not the time to be hurling insults and we're already broken. There's already so much that's going wrong. People are losing their jobs, losing their sources of income. Everyone's stressed about everything. So just be kinder, you know, smile through your mask at someone, let your eyes light up for them. Just so that they know that, yeah, Lerato sees me. Mm. You know, even mm. if I can't hug you and hold you and be like, it's going to be okay. You know, I can just smile and it's like, okay, that person sees me. Okay. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be a good day. The little things, man. The little things. You are incredible. I mean, I think you are so right for me. It was, I like to talk to people. I would have loved mm. to have this conversation next to you, but I would rather have it in whichever form I get it. And give mm. my everything than not have it at all. I think. And that's the other thing I wanted to add, sorry, Lerato, is to always be in contact with people that you love, who you know love you. Exactly. Zoom calls, we have Zoom parties now. You know, WhatsApp is like my best friend. I call everybody, I video call everybody, my friends, my family, because just seeing them gives that familiarity. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think the mind knows that, oh, you can't hug them. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You see your there's still the same excitement, still the same great conversation. Even that is good for the soul. Yeah. So yeah, do whatever, whatever it is, guys, that makes you happy, do it. Do it. Like, yeah. And, and for me, I, I want to thank you for making the time to talk to us. I hope people remember your words that, um, you know, you come as one of many. Um, that kindness takes you further than anything. And mm. that what is yours won't miss you. You are going to lead the way for so many young women. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that you exist, that you are fighting through everything. Um, may you get more. And the next time we do this, 
please can it be in person can we yes and yes a good time um you can find me yes. on twitter and instagram mutdcm um you can watch her on super sport you can listen to her uh on vision v radio you can just go to her instagram she does live just interact she's one of the greatest to ever do it and um here's to you Mitsubishi. thank you i love that thank you so much thank you thank you for having me thank you for this platform that you've created thank you for stepping <laughs> beyond the borders of your comfort zone, because I think you're going to unearth a lot of gems and not just for yourself, um, but for, you know, the upliftment and the enlightening of all of us. Yeah. The more the merrier, the conversations yes. and the platforms to tell people's stories, you know. Mm -hmm. I had the same conversation with another um, team from another company, and I said, it's so important that we continue telling our stories because there's commonalities, there's, there's threads, that, that exists between you and I in our stories. There's so many things we can break bread over, but you've got to just be brave enough to say, this is what happened to me and this is how I survived it or this is how I overcome or this great thing happened out of nowhere, serendipity, you know, and, and this is how I took it on in my life. So thank you. Thank you for creating the space for those stories to be told and for everyone to be inspired, to have a new perspective and maybe even to change our minds about something man my mom always says yeah. you have the right to change your mind and sometimes you have to change your mind about who you think you are who you think you're not and yes ma'am maybe now it's time to say who you are because you're you know who you're not you know what i mean if you've lost everything you know who you're not there's a discovery that can happen here in this time so Mitsubishi, thank you you're you are wonderful you make me proud to be black to be a woman and <laughs> Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm 10 years early. When you get here, you're going to, when you get to this, you're going to the age oh. I'm at, you're going to rock. <laughs> can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Thank you. And thank you. May you and your family be blessed and may everyone around you be covered and um, be safe and continue to do what you do. Give us support. Give us blackness give us femininity give us all of it we honor you we appreciate you Mwah. thank you so much Lerato. bye with tdc chat soon bye <laughs> 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 with tdc we honor everybody <laughs>